Please open your Bibles with me today to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. Matthew, chapter 4, going to finish up the chapter. You'll remember last week we looked at the first 11 verses of Matthew. And today we'll be picking up verse 12 through the end of the chapter. I've entitled today's message, Light Has Dawned. Light Has Dawned. If you're familiar with the New Testament, you know that light is one of the metaphors the Bible often uses to describe the character, the nature, the ministry of Jesus. It communicates the idea of his truth and the way he reveals truth and also in the exposing of sin in the same way that light would expose darkness. The Bible also describes that life apart from God is a life lived in darkness. Life lived in the deception, the bondage, and the consequences of sin. But in the same way that light dispels darkness, Jesus brings truth, deliverance, and salvation from the power and the effect of sin. You know these verses, and you're there in Matthew. Let me just read some verses to you from the Gospel of John. John chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It could also be translated, the darkness did not overcome it. John 1 9, this was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 12:46, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Now, Matthew, as we're there in chapter four, you'll see that Matthew also will describe Jesus as a light. He will use the prophet Isaiah and quoting from Isaiah in verse 16, he says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Light has dawned. Jesus is now in this chapter beginning his official earthly ministry. And it is like the dawn. It is like the early morning light. Light is now breaking into the darkness of sin. And it's uh, invading the darkness that is in the world. And it's Jesus. It's none other than Jesus. And these verses that we'll look at describe a dawning of a new day. Jesus really beginning his official ministry of bringing the light of the world to men. Now, we know uh, that Jesus has already been ministering even before we read these verses. We, We draw from the other Gospels that Jesus was already active in ministry, but not yet fully committed to public ministry. We know that he had performed a miracle at the wedding in Cana, where he uh, caused the water to become wine. We know that he has met with the Samaritan woman at the well and has ministered there. 
We know that he has spoken to Nicodemus about being born again. So Jesus is already engaged in ministry, but Matthew now describes the official beginning of the ministry. This is now Jesus really stepping full time into what he's been called to do in public ministry. We'll look at these verses. I'd like to break them up into three sections this morning. Verses 12 through 17, we will consider the time and place of this dawning of light. Verses 18 through 22, the people that Jesus called to be ministers of light with him. And verses 23 through 25, the good news of the kingdom of light. Take a look with me now, starting in verse 12, the time and place. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see here that Jesus has a great sense of timing. Jesus knew when he was to begin ministry. He knew where he was supposed to go in ministry. It says that John's ministry is now coming to a close. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Herod had arrested John because John spoke out very forcefully about Herod's sinful lifestyle. Well, Herod didn't like that, so he had him arrested and put him into prison. But this this now becomes a marker for Jesus. Remember, John was to be the forerunner to the ministry of Christ. And John, it would be John himself who said, I must decrease in order that he might increase. John's ministry had a time, had a season, but his day was closing. And now it was time for Jesus to step forward and officially move in his earthly ministry. So when John is put into prison, Jesus now departs. Jesus now steps out into the ministry he's called to. And up till now, Jesus pretty much has been living in obscurity. He's 30 years of age, the Gospel of Luke tells us. We don't know much about him other than just what's happening now in this recent time. Since the time he was baptized and tempted in the wilderness, we think about a year has gone by. Jesus, like I said, kind of in ministry, but not officially fully in ministry. And prior to that, he just grew up and worked in the family business. He was the son of a carpenter. He grew up in Nazareth, grew up to be and 30 years without ever really hearing much about him. No preaching, no miracles, no ministry. But now, now it's time. It's time for a new chapter, a new season in his life. It was time to preach. And he went out preaching. Notice the first word in his preaching is the same word that John the Baptist preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven 
is at hand. It's a time to change. It's a time to turn from the direction that you're going, living a selfish life, living a natural life. It's time to turn your hearts back to God, speaking to the children of Israel, but speaking to all the Gentiles as well, all who would listen. It's a time to preach the gospel. It's a time to be serious about God. I've noticed in my own life that my life does seem to come in seasons and chapters, if you will. I'm sure you, you can relate to that. I mean, some are kind of obvious, you know, every graduation, right? I, I, I can still remember when I graduated from middle school. I can remember when I graduated from high school. Those kind of were, they, they marked a kind of a close of one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter. And it seems that life is... Uh, a series of seasons and chapters. I remember, you know, the season of being married and then then you start having children Then you have to raise the children. And then, you know, now my children are getting married off and I've got one grandchild. A whole new season is emerging. But that's life. Life does come to us in different seasons and chapters, but not just in the natural order of things. But I believe spiritually as well. I think that God would develop us spiritually in season. There are seasons of preparation wherein God is working within your life. There's not a lot going on outwardly ministry, but God is doing deep work within. That's a hard place to be because sometimes we, we want to be busy about the Lord, but God has us in this preparation mode. Imagine Jesus 30 years growing up, knowing who he was, knowing what he was called to, and yet waiting, having to wait patiently for God's timing. Sometimes I think it happens where God begins to open doors for ministry, and we have to be careful not to then be reluctant to move into the next season. God may be calling you to step out in faith. God may be wanting to use what he's been preparing in your heart, what he's been doing in your life, and now he wants to begin to work through your life. And that can mark a new season, a new chapter in your life. And, you know, you you don't want to be ahead of God, but you don't want to be behind him either. You want to be in step with the Lord. And the way to stay in step with God is through personal relationship with him, close to him in prayer. Can I say this? So much is revealed in prayer. So much of God shaping your heart, God speaking to your heart. We often think of prayer as us just communicating to him, and it is. But that time in his presence, that time in devotion to him, there's so much that he is speaking and saying to you and shaping your heart and and preparing you for those things that he has. And this is the way you know and have the essence of timing with the Lord because you're you're close with him. you're, You're walking in step with him. You're not caught off guard or by surprise. There also, I believe, can come a certain urgency of ministry. And it seems to me that this is the season that Jesus now finds himself in. It's time to preach. It is time to launch fully into the things that God has called him to do. There is a time when it tarries. There is a time, it can be years of preparation, but I'm telling you, when God's ready to move, it's time to move. When God's timing is here, it's here. 
And, you know, interesting, we're we're moving, aren't we, as a church? (laughs) Our time has come. And, uh, you know, I've I've been praying about this, obviously, for many months. And what dawned on me this, this recent week is almost the Lord kind of communicating this in my heart, saying, you know, Richard, it would be very easy for me to make you able to stay at that building. It's not hard for me to keep you guys right where you are. The reason that you're not able to stay where you are is because I am moving you. Because it's easy for God to answer our request. Lord, let us stay in this building. That's what I've been praying. And that's not a hard thing for God to do. God's not challenged by that, but God is not doing that. And so I'm of this opinion. You know what? God is moving. God is moving us. And listen, if he's moving, I'm moving. I don't know about you. I want to go where he's going. Who wants to be here when he's gone? Not me. (laughs) So God is calling us to move. And there comes that time in all of our lives, personally as well, where where God brings you to that place and you've just got to trust him and take a step of faith forward. It's time to move. And there comes an urgency. Lord, we've got to go and we've got to go now because you're calling us, you're speaking to us and it's time to go. We're going to see this in the in the life of the disciples that he calls as well. There comes a time when you've got to move and an urgency that God has prepared you for this timing. We also see that Jesus goes to a specific place. It says he departed Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. So he leaves Nazareth, which was the town he grew up in. And we know that he was not well accepted there in his hometown. We remember he taught there in the synagogue. The people were amazed at the graciousness of his words. But then they remembered, yeah, but he's he's Joseph's boy. He's the carpenter's son. He's the kid that grew up just here in our midst. We can't receive him as Messiah. He's just the local kid grown up in town. And they weren't really able to get past how they saw him in the natural to understand who he was in the supernatural. So he left Nazareth, but it wasn't because they really kicked him out. Again, God was moving him and he goes to this town called Capernaum, which is by the sea. Now, this was called the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is really a large lake, 30 miles by 60 miles. It's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's a real large lake inland in the land of Israel. And in that time, there were just numerous cities, of course, populated all around the lake. It was a fishing trade, very fertile uh, valley for, uh, you know, agriculture, lots of good water supply. Obviously, this a, a freshwater lake serviced by the Jordan River and then also uh, outlet by the continuation of the Jordan River. So Jesus goes and he makes his kind of his ministry headquarters in the city of Capernaum. And Capernaum is where Matthew happened to have his tax office. So Matthew will get caught up in this Jesus ministry. And it's also the place where Peter, his brother Andrew, John and his brother James were all in the fishing business together. 
And they had their ministry, their fishing business there. Jesus makes his ministry headquarter there. And of course, Jesus would eventually develop relationships with these men that would call them ultimately into ministry. But what we notice here in Matthew's account is that this area of Galilee was known as the Galilee of the Gentiles. This was a very mixed population. It was not just a a purely Jewish community. There were Gentile and Jews living together in this mixed community. This was not really the, uh, the, the pure place for God's people because others were living there, nor was it the religious capital at all. Jerusalem was the religious capital. You know, you would think that the Messiah coming to bring you know, deliverance to God's people, that he would have set up headquarters in Jerusalem, that he would have made his base camp right there at the center of religious activity within there within that nation. But he didn't. He, he takes this small fishing town called Capernaum. And it, and it says that he went to these people that were mixed, many Gentiles, people who sat in darkness It seems that really it was to the neediest that Jesus went to. It seems that he did not go to those that considered themselves religiously pious and godly, but rather he went to the place where there was the greatest need. It seems to me that that light does its best work in darkness. This is where he goes. He goes where he's needed. He goes where the people are living in spiritual darkness. Many Gentiles intermixed with the Jewish community. He goes in a place that is not a religious headquarter or hotspot, but rather where he can really bring people to faith in the true and living God, apart from the religious stereotypes and the hypocrisy. He goes to real people. Jesus said it's the sick that need a physician. And he would minister to sinners. The truth is, Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to bring light into darkness. You know, I had a pastor's conference a few weeks ago. It was a a meeting that I attended. And there was a pastor there, uh, a guy that had been a part of the early Calvary Chapel movement back in the early 70s. His name is Tom Stipe. Some of you may have known, may know him. I, I knew of him. I, I'd never heard him speak before. He currently pastors a church in, I think, the Denver area. But he was there at Costa Mesa when all of those hippies were getting saved. Remember in the early, mid, late 70s? And all these uh, society rejects and castaways were coming to faith in Christ. Great revival. You know, hundreds and hundreds of people being baptized regularly. And, and Tom was one of them. Tom was one of those, you know, kind of rejects. And he came to faith and he said, you know, the reason that he believes God used that so, you know, uh, anointed that those that season so so mightily was because, you know what? There were so many sinners and we just loved them. We loved sinners. He said, you know, if you can get into a church where they love sinners, you've got a church that can really be fruitful in the kingdom. And if we ever forget that, you know, we're supposed to love the sinners, light is to go out into the darkness, 
then we're going to become this little, you know, insulated, cleaned up group. But we're not going to be very fruitful. We're not going to be very productive for the kingdom. Jesus went where it was dark. He was the light was seeking out the darkness because he wanted to bring the dawning of light. The good news is sinners are everywhere. We've got plenty. uh, We had a great market (laughs) and uh, plenty of potential customers for our our uh, what we're serving up. And that is the gospel of Jesus. Well, let's read on. So there was a there was a timing and a sense of the place that Jesus went that uh, I think communicates something to our heart. But what about the people that he called? Look with me in verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. These four fishermen, two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew were brothers. James and John were brothers. Now, we know from the Gospel of John that John and Andrew had actually already become disciples of John the Baptist. They, they, although they were fishermen, these were spiritually hungry fishermen. These were men who had an interest in the things of God. And they'd heard of John the Baptist preaching a message of repentance, a message of turning your heart to God. And so they went and they heard him and became followers of John the Baptist. They became disciples of John the Baptist. And it was from John the Baptist that they heard when he saw Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God. And when they saw that John called out to Jesus as in in a messianic way, they then turned their hearts to follow Jesus. So Jesus already had a working relationship with these guys. It's not like the very first time they saw him, they dropped everything and followed. No, they had already understood and embraced him as the Messiah. They already believed in him. Andrew is the one that went and got Peter, remember? And then Peter believed. And then no doubt when they came back to Capernaum, James had the opportunity to get to know him and meet him. So they already had a relationship with him. And these were men that had a spiritual hunger. They already were looking for the Messiah. They wanted they wanted God in their life. And they were searching and hungry and seeking for the things of God. And so now they have found Jesus. And the scripture doesn't tell us, but but by the way they react, here's my opinion that there must have been something in them that I think was probably hoping to be a disciple of Jesus. They had followed John the Baptist around and and, and my guess is they were, man, wouldn't it be cool to be a disciple of Jesus, the Messiah? Man, what if he were to ask us to join him in ministry? Now, we don't know that they had this conversation, but what we do know is that the moment he asked them, 
they dropped everything and followed him. You see, they'd already tasted that it was the goodness of God. They'd already, Jesus had already become real to them. And once that relationship started, once that faith had been active, then all he had to do was say the word and they would follow. All he had to do was ask and they would, they would say, yes, Lord. Just, but ask us and we will go. I like that heart. These were just guys. These were just, just you know, working men. These were not the religious elite. These were not the spiritual mighty. These were just, you know, everyday men. I like that because I can relate to that. I, all of us can. Now, God can use anybody. God can use rich and poor, elite and, and scarcely known. But he goes to these to call out from amongst just the people to make disciples. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's important. Jesus doesn't say, you know, you've got such great qualities that I see. I really can use you in ministry. Could you come and put your skills to you? Jesus says, no, no. I will make you into something that you are not. You know how to catch fish, but I want to take your life and I want to make you fishers of men. Ministry comes from Jesus. All ministry empowerment comes from Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to be fruitful? You have to abide in Jesus. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. And boy, they jumped at it. They dropped it all. They left their business. James and John, they left their business and their father to the business. Now, the Gospel of Mark tells us that there were also hired servants in the business, so they didn't leave their father without help. They, they, obviously, the business was successful enough where they had people to run and man, help manage the business. But God had called, Jesus was calling them to follow him and become his disciples. And so they drop it all to follow him. Now, I don't believe that God will call all to drop your profession and go into full-time ministry. That's what, that is what his calling was for these men. But I do believe this. I do believe that the call of Christ upon your life will require a dropping of some things in order to embrace and follow him. He may not call you to a new profession, but listen, he may want to use you in that profession in a new and different way. He may want you to completely rearrange your priorities in the place that you are in. You may still have to drop some nets and follow him. You may have to set some things down in order to prioritize the calling that he has upon your life. And he has a calling. In whatever profession you find yourself in, he wants to use you. He wants to use you right there. I like the fact that he calls men that are working. You know, that seems to be a pattern in the scriptures. Remember Moses and David, they were tending sheep. They were busy. They were working. God called them. Elisha, he was plowing the field. God called him. Uh, Gideon, he was threshing wheat. God called him. God, God calls the busy, the industrial, God's look, God doesn't have much use for lazy, I have to say. 
God's looking for those that are already kind of being faithful where they are with what they have and doing their best. And that is what God can put to use in the kingdom. That heart aligned with God's infilling can be a powerful combination in the life of God. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. When Jesus calls you, he calls you to what to whatever it is you do to do it for him. In the case of these men, it was to it was to stop fishing and become disciples. But it may be in your life, my life, that he would call us to do something already in line with what you have opportunity to do. But now you're doing it for him. You're doing it as his disciple and you're doing it to bring light into the darkness that where you live and where you work. You and I are the light bearers. Jesus said you are the light of the world. You and I are the ambassadors of Christ. Nothing has changed. The world is still dark and people are still living in the shadow of death. Lives are still hurting because of the effects of sin and the darkness of our day. And there is but one answer. It's the light of the world. It's Jesus. And that message, that message is the the remedy for mankind. And it's on your lips. It's on mine. We carry this light as we are followers of him. We move on. We see the people that he calls. Let's now finally consider the message that he brings. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demonic, uh, excuse me, demon possessed, epileptics and paralytics. And he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea and beyond the Jordan. We see Jesus now with his disciples alongside going out into the into the community, into the cities and preaching, teaching and healing. You know, another another quote that I'll share with you from that pastor that shared. He said, you know, as a church, we we need to come to a go ye mentality and not just be a come ye mentality. You know, it's wonderful that we can come together and worship. And I believe that that's something God has called us to do. And I, I know that people come and they hear the gospel and they they get saved. They give their life to the Lord. And I, I pray that will always be a, a fruit of, the, of our of our fellowship together. But just as important as us coming together is us Go ye out into the dark places where you live and work. It's just as important of your, in your going. Jesus went out 
to preach. Now, there were times when he gathered and and people came, but he also was out and ministering and going out and sharing the gospel. It says that he was teaching. Teaching, of course, we know he did this in the synagogues, a place where he opened the word of God to them. We see that he reads from the Old Testament, explaining and expounding and, you know, giving insight into the word of God. It says that he did this with great authority. They were marveled. They marveled at the gracious words that he spoke. That is the teaching ministry, the explaining and expounding upon God's word. But also there was a preaching element to his ministry. Preaching is the literal word means to herald. It means just to proclaim, just to put it out there, just to declare the truth. No explaining, no debating, no, you know, apologetic presentation. That's teaching. There's a place for that. But there's also just a place for preaching, preaching the gospel, which means good news of the kingdom. What is the what what was the good news for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus was out preaching that message. The kingdom of God has come. Repent, turn from the direction you're living. Come back to God and let the light of God shine on your hearts and bring you out of darkness. God loves you. God wants to forgive you of your sin. God wants to cleanse you and and set you free from the bondage and and the and the darkness that you're living in. You do not have this is not what God has created you for. He's created created you for relationship with him that not only will affect this life but it will go on into eternity that they might have eternal life. This was the message that Jesus preached. And I'm telling you that message still preaches today. That is a good word. God loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. He has done all that's necessary for you to be forgiven of your sin and walk in a close relationship of love with him forever. That is still the message that every heart must hear. And you are carriers of that message. You may be here today hearing that, maybe for the first time, maybe again. But listen, you're not here by accident. There is an urgency in this message today. We are living in urgent times. We are living in the day, the last of the last days. This is the time to be about our father's business and church. This is his business to save To save the lost, to bring light to the darkness of men's lives. It says that he was also healing the sick, the diseased, the tormented, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, the paralytics, and all kinds. You see, the miracles, the healings, the deliverances... These were the signs that Jesus demonstrated to confirm the truth of his message. These were the evidences that validated that he was who he said he was. He demonstrates that he has authority 
over sickness and disease. He, he said, you, you remember, oftentimes he said, your sins are forgiven. They hated when he said that. But he demonstrated, I have the ability to forgive sins. And so that you would know that, rise up and walk. Those miracles were to demonstrate the message of the gospel. Listen, a miracle without the gospel is short-lived help. All these people went on to die. Everyone that got healed ended up dying later. It's eternal life that we're after, and that cannot be embraced but by the truth of the message, by the truth of what Christ has done. Oh, I pray for miracles. I pray the Holy Spirit would show confirming signs and wonders in our midst. I've seen some. Maybe you have. I know he works miraculously in many occasions and in circumstance. And for that, I'm thankful. But I am most thankful that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Remember his disciples when, he, when they came back? Even the demons are, you know, we have authority even over the, the demons in your name. And he said, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus demonstrates these signs to, to, to validate his message of who he is. He's, he's got power over sickness and disease. He's able to forgive and cleanse sin. He has complete authority over all the demons and all the devils that would ever be against you. Jesus is King and Lord. And he demonstrated it in the flesh while he was upon the earth. And he has given us the authority to live in his name, to serve in his name, to minister under the inspiration of his spirit. And I pray that he will confirm with signs and wonders. They are done at his decision. They are done as he wills, not as we conjure up. Oh, and I'd like to see more. I'll be honest. I I wish we could see more. We've seen some. I I think somewhere, some places, I know out in the mission field where where the spiritual battles are really waging and the gospel is going out into very dark places, you hear more about miracles out there. And it's, and that makes sense to me. Because at the cutting edge of evangelism, that's where God is showing himself strong. We want it all primarily just so we can live, you know, healthy, happy lives here. And, you know, God does want to bless us and help us. And we, we, we do trust him for health and prosperity. But we're just pilgrims here. God is more interested in the eternal things. God is more interested in the light invading darkness than just answering every prayer and need that I might have here at this moment. I trust him. There will be times of struggle, but there will also be times when he works. The other thing that I think stands out to us in this, this demonstration of his power, it does speak about a future kingdom. It does give me hope. Listen, when, when Jesus brought the kingdom to earth, devils fled, sickness and disease was gone. There's a message there in the kingdom that he's bringing. Now, today, that kingdom lives in our hearts. Today, it is a spiritual reality. His kingdom is not reigning over the earth today. Would you agree? The earth is out of control right now. It's not under Jesus's rulership yet. But it lives in my heart and the kingdom is advanced through the hearts of his people.
But he gives evidence that, listen, there is a kingdom that he has prepared for us where there is no sickness and there is no disease and there is no pain and there is no sorrow. And he showed his ability to conquer those enemies even through his earthly ministry. And that gives us a taste of what's coming. That gives us something to hope in and hope for. It gives us that which we need to live faithfully today. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says, listen, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. God has something better in Jesus. The light has dawned. A couple of verses I want to close with here today. Out of the New Testament, Second Corinthians, you don't need to turn, I'll read them quickly. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That light has shone in your heart. It has revealed something of his glory and it is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. This is our call. The light is dawned. Jesus has broke, has broke into the darkness. And the light of God is in our hearts, and we are now children of the light. Let us walk and live and carry that light as the Lord leads us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry, the earthly ministry of Jesus. Much to be learned, Lord, as we, as we begin this this study of Jesus's life, the things that he said, the things that he did, the places that he went, the people he engaged. God, I pray there's such rich truth for us. I pray it will just come off the page to our hearts. I pray that it will inspire us to live for you today because you're alive. You're alive in our hearts. That same light that broke into that darkness 2,000 years ago is now abiding in my heart and in my life and cuts through the darkness today. Jesus, fill us afresh and anew with that sense of purpose and calling. Help us to get focused on the eternal things. Help us to be kingdom-minded. Lord, whatever our profession, help us to set down all competing passions and priorities and to follow you. And Lord, I pray for those that are here today that, that may still be living in the darkness. As our heads are bowed, I want to speak to you today if you are someone who has never come to the light of Jesus. You've heard about Jesus. You know, it said there in the passage we read that he became very famous and people came by the thousands and thousands to see him. But it's one thing to hear about him. It's even one thing to come and, and see him. It's another thing to become a disciple. It's another thing to really invite him into your life, to bring the light of God into your dark heart. And I'd love to pray for you. If God's speaking to you today, this is your 
your moment, time to repent. That simply means change. It's time for a change. It's time to stop living in the direction that I'm going and turn to God. Invite Christ into my heart to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me. I'd love to pray for you if the Lord is speaking to you and you want to to receive that this morning. Or maybe you're here today and you need to come back to the light. It happens. We come to the Lord. We experience the goodness of the Lord. We embrace the forgiveness, the relationship. But then then life goes on and, and we get distracted and we get discouraged and... We get caught up and entangled again in the old ways and the old things, and pretty soon we find ourselves out in the darkness again. We're not living like children of light. We're, in fact, you can't tell any difference between us and the children of darkness. And maybe God is speaking to you and He's saying, Come back. Come back to the light. I've called you to live as a child in the light. Come and live and walk with me. Be my disciple again. Put those things down. Drop those nets. And follow me. And I'd love to pray for you today if you need to recommit, rededicate your life to the Lord. So as our heads are bowed and we're closing in prayer, this is between you and the Lord. But if you're here today and you want to receive Jesus for the very first time, or you want to rededicate, recommit your life to him, I would ask you to raise your hand where you're seated so that I can see you and I'm going to pray for you. Anybody here today, God's speaking to your heart. Upstairs in the balcony, God bless you. Hand raised high, amen. Anyone else, the Lord speaking to you today, you need to come to the light, you need to come back to the light. This is between you and the Lord. I'm not thinking of anybody personally here, but I just sense that the Lord has some hearts he's tugging on. I just just want to wait a moment. Anybody else? God bless you. You sir, there in the back, too. You sir, amen. Up top as well. Amen. We're just going to pray. We're just going to invite Jesus back to your life, into your life. Anyone else? Just before I pray. So, Lord, for these that have responded today to your word, I pray that you would meet them with the love and the light of Jesus Christ that it would be so personal and so profound that they would know that you have embraced them as they have come to you and believed and Lord we do believe we come and we say Jesus you are the light you did come to die on the cross for my sins now forgive me and cleanse me Make me into the the man, the woman you've called me to be. I can't do it alone. I need your grace. I need your help. But Lord, I look to you to cleanse me and 
Become the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to walk in the light. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.